Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 134 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Also, if you want to, uh, you know, uh, stay up to date with, you know, release dates and, you know, breaks, you know, the break dates and, you know, episode titles ahead of time, then you can follow me on Instagram at Delving Into Islam Podcast. Again, Delving Into Islam Podcast for all the announcements regarding the podcast. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, literally anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of islam or if you're thinking about becoming a muslim or if you just became a muslim or if you've been a muslim you know all of your life and just want to learn more about islam this podcast is for you inshallah uh, now with that being said let's get right into today's topic and today's topic of course i know that many you know many of you are waiting for you know uh, us resuming the, the the major signs of the day of judgment and that will happen i promise you it's just like i said before there are critical topics that needed to be addressed and i have to address them i have to you know gather my thoughts about them uh you know research the quran and the sunnah and you know to be able to address them properly in our context right and today's topic is is, is no different it's basically talking about and i had this question being asked in person by many people uh, I've seen it being floating like around in the community, in the Muslim community, people asking each other about that, which is why Islam is being persecuted everywhere now. Everywhere. You know, we always touch upon that issue, right? Like when we're talking about the Antichrist, for example, when we talked about certain topics, you know, even the, the minor signs, the transitional sign, the Al-Mahdi, all these things, we always mention that Muslims are now, let's just not sugarcoat it, they're weak. Islam is not weak. Islam will always be the perfect religion. But I'm talking about Muslims. The Muslim nation is weak right now. Yes, there are, mashallah, many non-Muslims embracing Islam. This is a fact, alhamdulillah. Many of them, many non-Muslims are, are embracing Islam. They're seeing the truth, alhamdulillah. You know, many of you guys, the listeners, have, have started listening to the podcast while you were non-Muslims. I've talked to you already before, you know, alhamdulillah, you took your shahada. And now you are Muslims. And many people all over the world are, you know, are in the same uh, boat. However, the Muslim nation is still weak. We're still being tossed around between other nations. We're still being mocked on social media and, you know, in, 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 in the media in general. Uh, we're still physically being oppressed, you know, discriminated against, physically attacked and harassed, right? China, uh, the Uyghur Muslims in China, the, the Muslims in India, the Muslims in, uh, in actually Western countries like France, for example. They're less physically aggressive about it, but they're like mentally and, you know, by law, by the government, they're being oppressive against 
Muslims. This is there's that there's no denying that this is not a secret. Everybody knows that they have laws against hijabis and they have laws against Muslims in general. Imagine that, you know, the the Muslims in Palestine. And I know that 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 the Palestinian issue, many of you would think, well, this is more of a political issue. It's actually not. You know, Al Masjid Al Aqsa, the Aqsa Mosque is. Uh, the third holiest now it's not a haram like i know a lot of people say the third of the haram because we know the harams are two right the the mecca and medina these are the two harams we have right which is basically the holiest two lands for the muslims mecca and medina however a lot of people like to say this is the third haram it's not it's still the holy like a third like the third holiest place but it's not an actual haram right to be just you know very specific it's not a haram because when you go to because uh, what happens when you go into the haram you have to be in a very specific you know status and you have to you uh, yourself have to be you must be in the state of a haram but when you go to jerusalem or you know to to the masjid al-aqsa you don't have to be in the state of a haram it's just a, a little bit of a logistic uh, error that a lot of people make a lot of muslims make uh, the masjid al-aqsa is not a haram However, it is the third holiest place, and it's mentioned numerous times in the Quran. And of course, famously, the night of Isra and Maraj took place. The first half of it took place in the Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. My point is, it is a Muslim problem. It is an Islamic problem. Yes, there is a political side of it. Of course, nobody's denying that. However, when people try to tell Muslims, well, you should, you know, set aside on this one because it's not actually, uh, you know, a religious issue. Yes, it is. Uh, however, so we have that too. We have uh, the, the Muslims being oppressed by Muslims in Syria, for example, the government, the Syrian government, and being helped, of course, by non-Muslim countries. The Syrian government is, you know, it's, it's just, it's a mess all over, if you think about it. It's a mess all over. And that shows that you know, in Bangladesh, right, in Myanmar, Muslims were being, children, you know, like Muslim children were, be, were being burnt alive. Now, you don't see, maybe it's still happening, but they just don't show it anymore. But it used to happen. Go online and look up all these things if you, you know, uh, haven't been following up with all of this. Muslims have been suffering and still suffering. You know, the majority of refugees, the overwhelming majority of refugees all over the world are Muslims. There's no denying that. You cannot deny that. So, yes, we have a problem. We do. The problem is not Islam. Islam is not weak. Islam is the strongest and will always be until the Day of Judgment, the strongest religion because it's the truest religion. It is the only religion of truth that we you know, have in this world and will always have until the day of judgment. So Islam is not the problem. So what is the problem? The problem is in us and in other nations as well. But we also have a big part you know, to play here. We cause this ourselves. You don't believe me? Let's hear the wordings of the Prophet in this authentic hadith. One time he was sitting with the companions and he told them what? He said there will come a time that the nations, look at this, the other nations, non-Muslim nations, will play with Muslims, will invite each other, like people inviting each other for a meal. You know, when you invite someone over and be like, hey, just come on, start eating, please. 
So you invite people to eat from a specific dish. That's exactly that's the, actually the the picture that the Prophet is painting here. That's the example he's giving us. Other nations will invite one another to attack and oppress Muslims, like they invite each other to eat, you know, from a dish or from you know from a specific meal. Then the companions responded. Are, are they going to be few, O Prophet of Allah, in the future? Because the Prophet is talking about the future, which is our time right now. So the companions asked, is that because the Muslims in the future will be few in numbers? And the Prophet said, no, they will be a lot, way more than you are right now. Remember, we're 1.8 billion Muslims, right? Almost 2 billion, almost. But then the Prophet mentioned this. He said, they will be like Ghutha'u-Sayli. You know what Ghutha'u-Sayli means? The foam of the ocean, the foam of the sea. You know the foam, the white foam, when you know you see the waves crashing uh, by the shore? You know that foam? It's weightless. It's weightless. It's a lot. You see it. It's pretty obvious, right? The, this is a very incredible description, by the way. An incredible description or a metaphor, if you want to call it. A lot of foam, you can see it's white. It's pretty obvious. You can see it's a lot. It's everywhere whenever you're, you know, you're standing and looking at it. However, it's weightless. It has no weight to it. it. has no value to it. And that is exactly what's going on. That's the description of the Prophet That's not my description. But you can see it. You can absolutely see it. And I totally agree with it. And many of you, most of you would agree with it. And those who don't, I, I don't know what you've been living in because it's not this world. Now, this is causing concern among Muslim communities and that's the reason why I'm talking to you uh, about this today. A lot of people are wondering, are we upon the truth? Because we're being tossed around, we're being harassed or being you know, persecuted globally, by the way. Globally, global persecution. Are we even upon the truth? Well, here's the thing. First of all, being mocked, harassed, oppressed, bullied does not mean that you're not upon the truth. As a matter of fact, for the majority of the time, it means you are. For the majority of the time. I'm not saying every person who's being bullied or being harassed or being oppressed is upon the truth. No. Now, Look at the time of the Prophet ﷺ and the companions. They used to be oppressed daily, throughout the day, every single day. They could not pray out loud. They could not recite Quran out loud. They used to be tortured, literally, physically whipped and tortured. Remember Bilal? Bilal, when they used to put a big hot rock on his chest. Early Muslims, come on. We remember, we said that, uh, we talked about this in, in season four, I believe. Tortured every single day. Yet, they were strong. They were powerful because of the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they were upon the truth. Because they have Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa who was also persecuted himself multiple times. Countless times, actually. 
So do you think that the problem that we're the problem that we're facing right now is it because the Prophet sallallahu is not with us? Well, I'm pretty sure if he was with us, it would have been a completely different story. But no, that's not it. That's not the reason. That's not what we're being oppressed right now. Because here's the thing. Muslims back in the day, they were oppressed because of what? First of all, it was a new religion to the Arabian Peninsula. This was something brand new. What are you doing? What are you what are you calling for here? You want us to worship God and not worship the idols that basically connect us with God? No, 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 no. This is bogus. Don't 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 bring this talk to us here. No. That was the attitude of the people of Quraysh. And that's why when the Prophet وسلم, you know, was telling them, just you know, dismiss the idols. Forget about the idols. You and Allah have a direct connection. Just use it. Pray to him the way he wants you to pray to him. You know, follow his commands. And they were like, No, 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 no. We follow our own commands and we look at, you know, speechless piece of rocks and like statues, right? Idols, and we worship them the way we want to. It's the lazy approach, like you know, I always mention. When the Prophet brought the truth, it was foreign to them. It was weird, right? That's why many of them, when they sat on it and when they started, you know, thinking about it, they converted on their own. Yes, many of them converted using, you know, during battles and all these things. But, and we'll get to that point, by the way, the idea of did Islam spread with force and, you know, with the sword, like, you know, many people accuse it, uh, you know, of, of doing that. Or did it spread because it was the truth? And we mentioned, we did address that in, in season four when we were talking about all the battles, but inshallah, I will address it in a, from a different perspective in today's topic. But my point is, Islam was the truth, yet it was foreign to the people of the land at the time, which is the Arabian Peninsula, the Arabs. Okay. But then Islam thrived and spread. And the whole message was revealed. The Quran, all of it, and in its entirety, it was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. Now we have the message, right? We have the Quran. Why are we being oppressed again? Why the entire world? And the Prophet predicted that. Now it was not uh, an ishtihad or a speculation on his behalf. Allah informed him of that. Remember, the Prophet does not. Allah said in uh, in the Quran, in chapter of Najm. The Prophet does not speak out of his own whims and desires or even thoughts. Yes, he has his own thoughts. But when he talks about the future, when he talks about facts, it's coming from Allah. We all know that. It's inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet saw the pictures. Allah informed him of what will happen to the Muslim nation in the future, a.k.a. our time right now. Around our time right now. You know, it's been happening and it will keep on happening, obviously. So what is the problem? Islam is all there. You, you know, you could make an argument like back in the day when the Prophet ﷺ, you know, when Islam started, like I said, Islam was new. The entire message wasn't revealed. So people were like weirded out by the message of Islam. But now we have the whole message. Right? So what's the problem? Islam is fully revealed. Everyone knows what Islam is about. Now, not everyone. Uh, all Muslims at least know, all people with you know sane minds know what Islam is about. So what's going on? Well, there are a couple of factors, and I want to talk, and that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. The first factor is uh, you'll always have the political side of things. 
And that even used to happen during the time of the Prophet That's why Muslims were oppressed because of economically it's not going to work with the zakah and everything, you know, and you know the social status and all these things, and 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 you know they they just it's different. Life is different, right? And Islam comes and changes things, changes how your your lifestyle, and if that you know trickles up to you know the, the 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 big people or the high people the government if you want to call it then that causes an issue the lawmakers so if you're if you're asking lawmakers to follow islamic rulings that's going to be problematic to a lot of people you know one of the biggest quote unquote fears that americans had and the west had was the quote unquote sharia law which is sharia and just straight up sharia which is literally the Islamic way of living. And people like, they want to enforce Sharia law. They want to... And the funniest thing, I swear, Wallahi, when I used to watch these, you know, ridiculous claims and videos, I'd be like, those people don't even know what Sharia means. Sharia literally means if you pray, if, if a Muslim pray five times a day, they're applying Sharia. <laughs> That's it. But people thought, oh, they want to cut off the hands when people steal. They want to do this and they want to force all women to wear hijab. That's actually un-Islamic. Islamically speaking, you cannot force people to wear the hijab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? لَا إِكْرَاهَ فِي الدِّينِ قَدْ تَبَيَّنَ الرُّجْدُ مِنَ Straight up, the most explicit verse to combat those notions that Muslims want to enforce or force their religion upon other nations. Allah said, "La ikraha There is no compulsion in the religion. Do not force anyone to follow the religion. And Allah then said, "Because the truthful uh, way or the truth has been distinguished from falsehood." So it's basically you can tell what is true and what is falsehood or what is false and allah saying you don't need to like no compulsion in the religion do not force people to follow the, the religion and that even goes to within muslims so do not force muslim women to wear the hijab because it contradicts the idea of for example wearing hijab do not force muslim in general muslims in general to do certain things because it won't work Teach them and then leave them. It's between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like even, for example, if you are a father or a mother, like if you're parents, right? And your children are not praying. Remember, we said like in the, in the, the Prophet said what? The, the children should start praying when they are at the age of, of seven. And like they start to get used to praying when they are at the age of seven. Once they read the age of 10, you have to hit them. And we mentioned hit them, meaning like, you know, just slap them like gently uh, or like, you know, hit them like on the tap, like, you know, hitting them on their hands or something gentle. The Prophet never, ever commanded us to beat up our children or our spouses or, you know, or one another. That never happened. Okay. So the, when the Prophet said hit them is like, you know, just, hey, go pray. Hey, go pray. Come on, hurry up. Stuff like that. Right. But he, look at the argument here. Some people might look at this and be like, well, see, you have to force your children. You even have to hit them. I get it in a, in, in a gentle way, but you still have to force them to pray. Here's the thing. If your child does not pray at the age of 10, by the age of 10, you have a problem in your household. That means you don't pray. That means your spouse doesn't pray. That means there, your house is not equipped to be an Islamic environment for a, you know bringing up a child. 
That's why the Prophet said, wait all the time, like all, all the years until they reach seven years old, then you start the process. But guess what? If your children see you praying when they were young, when you ask them to pray when they're seven, it won't be that difficult. Now, here's the thing. You have from the age of seven till the age of 10, you know, so you can start, you know, quote unquote, like hitting them gently. However, if you cannot do this within three years, then what, what are you doing as a parent? You cannot convince your child to pray. You have three years to convince him, even before, by the way, like I said, before seven, you should try it little by little to let them, you know, come. I, I do that with my own daughters, by the way. Come and pray next to me. And if you pray, I'm going to give you a prize. They need that type of incentive, right? So when they get to the age of seven, it's not that difficult for them to start praying. And then when they get to the, get to the age of 10, it's already, you know, very like a piece of cake for them. They got used to it because it's all a matter of, you know, getting used to, right? It's a matter of habit. Prayers are difficult in the beginning, but then when you get to the... Now, we're not expecting a seven-year-old to understand the meaning of praying five times a day, right? So they need to get it through the practice and, you know, it being a habit to them. So again, to go back to my point, I don't want to, you know, deviate a lot from my, you know, my main point here that I'm trying to make. Islam is a religion that does not spread with by force. So when people are freaking out about, you know, Sharia law, right? They didn't even know what that means. Fasting Ramadan is part of Sharia. Actually, being good to your neighbors, your non-Muslim neighbors, by the way, is part of Sharia. Paying charity, helping your community to, to you know thrive is part of Sharia. Getting married is part of Sharia. People don't know Sharia is a lifestyle of the Muslim. It's the, is the lifestyle of a Muslim. We have to follow Sharia and everything, but people were like, oh, because they went to the capital punishment part of Sharia, which, by the way, all religions have. Except that our religion gives the judge, and it has to be a Muslim country, and it has to be a Muslim judge, right? Give It gave him basically a leeway. Instead of punishing people severely, they can, you know, there's a leeway around it. And that was totally left to the judge. So people were freaking out for nothing, basically. However, that led to hatred in Islam. And people, you know, those who were like, you know, fear mongers, who basically were feeding off the fear of other people, the politicians in specific, they started, you know, painting Islam as the scary religion, the religion of terrorism, the religion of violence, the religion of punishment. And that put fear. And when people are afraid of something because they just don't understand it, what happens? Hatred is born. And that's exactly what happens. And the, you'll see that people who are, quote unquote, afraid of Islam, they become the oppressors. When they see a Muslim, they harass them because they're afraid of him, because they don't understand what Islam is. And that's basically the main purpose of this podcast is to tell people what Islam is. Yes, it is also to enhance, you know, the, the, the knowledge of current Muslims and non-Muslims. But however, we want to also spread the truth about Islam. That's what Islam preaches, that what Islam tells us to do and what Islam tells us not to do. Because other people twist words, they twist verses, they twist hadith. And because you don't know Islam as a non-Muslim, you'll believe it. Because how are you going to know that this hadith means this and this hadith means that, right? How are you going to know that this verse does not mean go and murder them all and kill them all? How would you know that? You have no knowledge. And that is the main reason why, alhamdulillah, we're doing this podcast. 
to inform people, to share my knowledge with everyone, the authentic, true knowledge. And alhamdulillah, you guys have been noticing, you know, for the years we've been on, alhamdulillah, uh, you know, uh, in this podcast, I have never sugarcoated anything. I say it as it is, but I just explain it. That's the big difference. I explain things logically. And if there's something that we say, Allah just ordain it upon us and that's it. I say that too. Alhamdulillah. Anyway, my point is part of the reason why it's political. Political. People don't know what Islam is and other people, I want to call them the shayateenul ins, the devils of, and the Allah mentioned, there are devils that are mankind, basically. Devils of mankind. Basically, people who are completely terrible that, that are being described as devils, which is certain politicians, right? And to get in seats and to get in, you know, in, in, in position, they have to use these tactics to make people scared of something they don't know by pretending that they know it. So those politicians, they used to pretend that they know Islam. By the way, not just politicians, people in certain media platforms, they used to do that too. To get more views and more clicks and so on and so forth, right? So they, they pretend that they know Islam. And then when you debate with them for the f- the first two minutes, it falls apart. The whole debate falls apart because they don't know what they're talking about. And they lose, literally, the first couple of minutes. So that is the political aspect of things. Okay. Now, there's also the other side, which is the the... the the worst side, which is our own shortcomings. Us as a Muslim nation, we have... T- oh, ya Allah. Do you guys know there's a trend now? Uh, you know, this is the ranting time for me. I'm going to rant a little bit, so bear with me here. There's a trend right now going on where hijabis, Muslim sisters, wearing the hijab, also wear the cross. Also wear, you know, the, the Star of David. The, the Jewish star and say we're all one we're all one we have to follow all religions how's that how does that work it's a, by the way it's a new trend now just again it's for the same reason to be popular for people to say oh my god look at her and and the the reason why I'm saying like it's more mainly sisters because they all the trend is like women wearing the hijab to prove that they are Muslims, right? I'm pretty sure men do it as well. I have no doubt about that. But I'm saying like the more obvious ones that are doing that trend are women. And I'm like, this is very confusing because I don't know what are you exactly. You know, and again, this is nothing against any other religions. We talked about this at nauseum on this podcast. Respect other religions. You know, you be you have to be very respectful of the people of other religions. You just don't have to agree with their theology. It's that simple, right? That simple. It's a very simple way of living. You know, I could be good to you. We could be, you know, close, good friends. No problem. I can help you. I can accept your help as long as I don't have to uh, follow your theology. I don't have to follow your beliefs. I, لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ Allah said in the Quran, you have your religion, I have mine. Simple. Right? In the chapter of Kafirun. The entire chapter is called the disbelievers, how to deal with them. I do not follow you, what you follow. You don't want to follow what I follow. It's fine. لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ Allah said in the chapter of Kafirun. You have your religion, I have mine. Just Let's be at peace. Allah 
the chapter of Mumtahina, verse number eight. Allah is saying, I do not forbid you. I do not tell you not to be nice to other nations, other religions. As long as they do not want to fight you in your religion. As long as they basically don't want to, you know, backstab you or try to ruin your religion or attack you in your religion. As long as they're peaceful with you, you be peaceful with them, even better. Uqsitu ilahim, meaning be just with them, be fair with them, be nice to them. Because Allah likes those who are fair. Simple. Our religion is very simple. There is no secret conspiracies. There's no, you know, all, you know, wait for them and, you know, try to trap the non-Muslims and attack them. None of that. None of that. All these verses that we talked about, that was pertaining to like, you know, the, 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 the verse of the sword, right? The verses of the sword, where basically Allah said, you know, wait for the, wait uh, four months until... You know, the disbelief, if the disbelievers are still there, going to attack them and all these things. We already described that that was during the conquering of Mecca. It was in, in a declared battle. There was war going on. And those who use the verse of the sword, ironically, ironically, what happened is that the Muslims took Mecca without a drop of blood. There was no war. There was no battle even uh, that, that, that took place during that time. But anyway, and it shows you the ignorance of people using the Quran. They don't know anything about the Quran. Now, my point is we have issues because we are trying, I don't even know, appeal to the other nations, to other nations. I don't get it. Like, are we? what are we trying to do when someone, when a sister or a brother are saying we should all follow all religions? How would that work? How would that work? Because guess what? If all religions are to be followed, then there should not be multiple religions. Allah's message, like I said before, was always Islam. Islam, all the message of Allah, the true Christianity, true uh, Judaism, never contradicted Islam. But people brought in, you know, took the, the, the Judaism, the Old Testament, the New Testament, they basically authored their own ideas and they integrated them into those verses. Hence, it became new religion that we do not, you know, agree with because it's just not what came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that divided that one message of Allah to now three religions, which is Judaism, Christianity, I'm talking about the, the Abrahamic religions. Of course, there are way other more beliefs like, you know, Buddhism and, and Hinduism and all these things and atheism, of course. But we're talking about the Abrahamic religions. If you want to follow all three, they are contradicting because one of them tells you that Jesus is the son of God. The other tells you that Jesus never existed. They don't admit that Jesus ever existed. The third one, which is Islamists, tell you, no, Jesus did exist. However, he is a, an incredible, noble prophet. He's not a god. The three religions contradict each other on the nature of Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is not the only thing that the three religions contradict each other. So who will go to hellfire? Who will go to paradise? That's every religion says we will. We will go to paradise and everybody else will go to hellfire. So how are you following three? And I get it. This is, could be just a metaphoric thing like to, uh, in terms of peace. But you can call for peace without saying, oh, I, wore, I follow the cross. You should not follow the cross as a Muslim. You should not follow uh, uh, the, the the star of David or whatever the, J the Jewish kind of tradition if you're a Muslim you should not so there are ways to spread peace and say yes we are all human beings we have always said that on this podcast and every sane scholar and every sane student of knowledge would tell you this 
we should because we're following the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. When we say yes, we should maintain peace. We should be always peaceful and work together, even if we have different beliefs. As long as you know we don't enforce our beliefs on each other. Yes, you can talk to me about your religion, no problem, because I talk to everybody about my religion. I use the podcast to talk to everyone, so I'm not saying, oh, we should talk to people about Islam, but we should not hear anybody. No, tell me. But the thing is, when we get to, and we, we I get to that, in, in, like in these kind of situations a lot, which is peaceful debates. I always debate when someone tries to preach Christianity to me. Okay, let's sit and talk, and then I pinpoint the the, the things that I don't think make sense. Uh, and then they they respond and then I respond and alhamdulillah because Islam is the truth alhamdulillah and it's not about winning like I said before it's just Islam always wins the argument it's just there's no denying that right my point is we can have debates or not but while we're peaceful with one another why do we have to go and wear a cross as Muslims to say we are seeking peace that's because you are weak and that is my point here Something called, uh, we have, our new generation, by the way, we've been having it for a couple of generations, but it's very, very obvious in our current young generation right now, what's called or what's being called as psychological defeat. We have what's called psychological defeat. This is something that's very, very upsetting. Psychological defeat is something that when a, a superior nation Basically, you try to appease to a, a superior nation. You try to look up to a superior nation, and you yourself feel inferior to that. You know, to that nation, right? That's why we call it the superior nation. So it's the inferiority complex in a, in a different way, and that causes something called the psychological defeat. You're defeated as a nation, as a Muslim nation, already psychologically. Not even we're not talking about a battlefield. We're not talking about economically. Psychologically, you are defeated because you always feel that you are inferior to other beliefs or other nations. And it gets all mixed up because some people look, for example, America, the most powerful country in the world. It's my country. I'm proud to be an American. However, people look at America and then they equate it with... uh, anti-islamic stuff so now when america is the most powerful country in the world people look at that and they say well that means islam is not the most powerful religion in the world do you understand how and it's a messed up comparison because it doesn't work like that because america as a nation has muslims yes we are like about one percent i get that but it has muslims it has christians it has jews it has it's not one religion whether Islam, you're comparing a religion to a country or a civilization, which is very ridiculous, to be honest. So when people look at Western countries and how they're like, they're thriving, and they look at them, they're like, oh, well, they all identify as Christian countries. Hence, Christianity must be stronger than Islam. Islam must be weaker. This all, by the way, happens subconsciously. You don't hear this in your thoughts, but that happens subconsciously. That's how you feel subconsciously. The inferiority complex, or again, like I said, the psychological defeat. You feel that you are lesser than Christian nations, hence you are a lesser of a religion. You're not as powerful. You are defeated psychologically. You know, when you go and you watch movies and and you see all the superheroes are American and, you know, literally 99.9% of them are Christian, right? What happens? What happens? You believe that this is what you want to be, but you can't be because you're Muslim. So what, what, what happens? You're defeated again. Psychologically, you are defeated 
because you believe that non-Muslims are more powerful than you, non-Muslims are, you know, uh, more uh, thriving, and non-Muslims have, you know, like they, they have this, uh, the impact on other nations. Hence, and this is your own messed up kind of formula, which is very inaccurate. That means that anything but Islam is more powerful than Islam. That happens subconsciously to a lot of, especially our youth, by the way. Especially our youth. And that's why you have identity crisis when it comes to Muslim youth in Western countries. And unfortunately, that reached actually Middle Eastern countries, Muslim countries. It reached that far. People will be living in a Muslim country with an identity crisis because of the internet, because of social media, because they see that non-Muslims are thriving while my country is not. Hence, Islam has a problem. They don't say it out loud, but that's how they are thinking about it. That's why people try to, you know, change their identity or try to basically, and, and I'll, I'll just call it as it is, right? They are trying to fit in into a non-Muslim society. And that's, hence, that you see, that that's the product. When you see a, a hijabi, a Muslim woman, a sister who is wearing the hijab, also wearing a cross. When you see a man with a beard and saying, I'm a Muslim, also wearing a cross because it's all, we're all one. No, 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 no. You're, you don't believe that you're all one. You're trying to suck up to those people. Seriously, it's just that, that simple. You're trying so hard to tell non-Muslims, we belong because you are more powerful than us. Please accept us. Please, you're literally, you know, trying to like reach uh, and, and you're like, what's the word? It's literally, it's like a cry for attention. Hey, we're here. We're with you. Please acknowledge us. We're Muslims. And that's literally the definition of psychological defeat. We do not have a strong belief system. We do not have a strong aqidah. We do not have a strong theology. That's why when we look at other nations, we equate immediately. We say, because they're not Muslims. You know, and that's why now you're like, oh, you see Muslims celebrating Christmas. You see, Muslims, are, and that's what the Prophet is talking about, by the way. You're going to be like the foam of the ocean, but you're going to love life so much. I did not, by the way, finish the hadith. The Prophet said that because, uh, because when they asked, okay, so when the companions asked the Prophet, are they going to be because of, you know, they're outnumbered? The Prophet said, no, they're going to be like the foam of the ocean. However, they will love life so much and they will fear death. Because of what? Because of they will be detached from the religion. You're afraid to die because you are clinging on to this life so much. You are so attached to this life that you don't want to leave this life. So when you're so attached, you're afraid to fight for your religion. You want to just live, quote unquote, peacefully. And peacefully to you is basically uh, trying to belong to other nations. Blending in. That's, that's the definition of peace. It, instead of saying, I have my religion, I'm very confident in it, I love my religion, I'm proud of it, let's make peace and let's live in a peaceful community, in a peaceful society. No, you're like, oh, no, 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 I want to belong to you guys. Please take me with you. Please, I'm, I, I want to be with the cool guys. And that's what you see all over the internet. That's what you see. And, and again, the, the reason why I mention internet a lot is because you can see the manifestation of the Muslim youth. It's it's ridiculous. It's the decline of religion that I'm noticing. You know, all these uh, men and women, and clearly they are Muslims, are like, you know, singing and dancing and doing the most ridiculous things. You know, like, uh, I believe a, a few days ago, like a while ago, there was this situation in Egypt. Egypt, which is identified as predominantly a Muslim country, right? Right. 
Egypt, they denied this, 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 uh, these uh, ladies, their sisters who were wearing hijab, they denied them to enter. By the way, we're talking about an Egyptian restaurant that they denied them to enter uh, the restaurant because they were wearing hijab. They said, no, hijab is allowed. This is in a Muslim country, my dear brothers and sisters. Imagine this. In a Muslim, and again, predominantly, because there are a lot of Coptics there, but of course, the overwhelming majority is is Muslims. The, the, in a Muslim country, you know, and they're telling you, you cannot enter. Imagine this. In a Muslim country, again, in a Muslim country, you're not allowed to enter specific restaurants because you're wearing hijab. I would expect that from a non-Muslim country, right? From a Muslim, from a country that hates Muslims or has a problem with Muslims, or you know that happens in the West. Don't get me wrong, but it's not in a, in a Muslim country, really. And that shows you the decline in the religion in the Muslim country. Now, the the the, the trend is to you know show off skin for for sisters and for men, you know, show off your skin, dating online, dating in in public, you know. Show, they're basically, and this is—it's not my theory, by the way. I think this is the, the 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 truthful reality that's ridiculously sad, which is we in again, it's that this whole like psychological defeat because we have the psychological defeat in the Muslim and our Muslim countries. We adopt the bad, only the bad behavior from you know the West. Which is, for example, drinking, uh, taking off your clothes, showing, you know, uh, skin, celebrating Halloween, celebrating Christmas, even though you're Muslim, even though you're Muslim, right? But you're taking all the negative uh, dating, you know, having sexual intercourse before marriage. These things we love to take from the West and leave all the good stuff. And I always, always notice that. And not just me, by the way, this is a proven uh, reality, which is we take, for example, the Western countries, we're not talking about Islam or not Islam here, they have organized government, right? They have, now again, everything has its flaws, no, 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 never denying that. However, they have morals, you know, they have moral standards when it comes to, you know, work ethics and when it comes to, you know, social, certain things, they have morals. We don't take any of that. What we take is getting naked, taking off your clothes, drinking, smoking, that's what we take because that's what social media and media propagates about the West, right? That's what movies propagate, but we still ignore the good stuff. And that is the definition of psychological defeat. Wallahi. You know, you're psychologically defeated when you try so hard to become someone you're not. While what you're on, what, what, like what you're on, is completely contradicting to that. I know this was a little bit of a, a mess to explain, but let me let me break it down. You're a Muslim. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to date. You're not supposed to do many things, right? Show skin and all these things and smoke, whatever. Now, a sign of psychological defeat is when you take all of the un-Islamic things about the, the the other nations and try to adopt them and try to you know practice them. While Islam tells you not to, that is a psychological defeat right there. Because your own identity, you, you, you throw it in the garbage. You throw it in the garbage. You don't care about your Muslim identity. What you care about is appeal to others, you know, be loved and accepted by non-Muslim nations. Well, ironically, non-Muslim nations, and again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَنْ يَرْضَ عَنْكَ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَ حَتَّى تَتَّبِعَ مِلَّتَهُمْ the, 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 the other nations, the non-Muslim nations, will never be 
fully pleased with you until you follow their religion and that's exactly what you're giving them. And it's shameless. Again, people brag about this. Dancing on the internet. Muslims, hijabis, Muslims with beard, lip syncing, doing the most ridiculous things, saying the most ridiculous, uttering the most ridiculous statements online for people to see. And we ask ourselves, where is our dignity? Where? You know, another fascinating hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said in an authentic hadith, look at this, please hear this out and tell me that this is not happening right now. He said, a time will come for my nation. Again, talking about the future, which is us, our time right now. لَا يَبْقَى مِنَ الْإِسْلَامِ إِلَّا إِسْمُهُ Nothing is left from Islam except for the name Islam. Literally, the word Islam. That's, that's what's left. No morals, no nothing. Just the name of Islam. وَلَا مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ إِلَّا رَسْمُهُ And Quran people, like again, those people who are online going crazy over uh, being trying to be an appeal to non-Muslim nations, tell them, like recite any, any, any couple of verses from the Quran. They will recite the things that they probably memorized when they were little kids. However, did you, did you try to memorize something when you were an adult? No. You know, and this is what the Prophet is saying. From the Quran, nothing will be left except for the writings of it, which is meaningless to the majority of the Muslims. Meaningless. Rasmu, meaning the drawings uh, inside the book of Quran. And the word drawings mean it's not meaningful words. Quran for us, for believers, is meaningful words. But there will come a time, that's what I'm talking about, there will come a time that Quran will be just a bunch of drawings in a book. People do not understand the meaning of it. Okay? Look at this. The Muslims will care about their stomachs. Meaning what, what, they, what, 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 what we're going to eat for you know, dinner. What we're going to eat for breakfast. It's all about food. And again, you look at everywhere now, it's all about like social media. You know, Instagram, TikTok, all these things are about food. And Muslims are like doing this. And again, there's nothing haram with trying to show recipes and whatever. But if this is all you care about, what are we going to eat tonight? That's the biggest problem. Some people can't even find a tiny piece of bread, a sip of water. Muslims, by the way, our Muslims, brothers and sisters, all over the world, all over the world, you know, scattered all over the world, cannot find a piece of bread. And all you care about, which restaurant we're going to go and eat at tonight. And that becomes a big deal. Again, I'm not saying this is, there's nothing haram about this. But when it's all you care about, yeah, that becomes a problem. The Prophet is saying, and their religion will be their money. How to get money, how to spend money, that will be all they're thinking about. The Prophet is talking about, by the way, Muslims, my dear brothers and sisters. He's describing Muslims in the future. Those who follow the sunnah, the Prophet is saying, will be as if they're innovating. They will be called that you're committing bid'ah, you're doing bid'ah. Well, they're actually following sunnah. Wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. When I try to do certain things when it comes to sunnah, I have people coming to be like, well, why are you doing that for? That's, that's odd. No, it's not. It's the sunnah of the Prophet. And I have to go into a debate and show proof and show hadith and show... And that's the manifestation of the hadith. Isn't that incredible? 
When you try to follow the sunnah, people think you're doing an odd and an innovative thing. And then the opposite. And then they take all the innovations in the world, they come up with their own religious stuff, and then they say, this is sunnah. Do not argue with me. This is sunnah. You know? And that's what's happening right now. They only worship Allah during the month of Ramadan. You want the biggest proof? You want the biggest proof? Go to the mosque during the month of Ramadan. Then go to the mosque after the month of Ramadan and see the difference. It's incredible. The difference is unbelievable. You know? How many people attend Isha prayers during the month of Ramadan so they can pray Tarawih? The majority of the community, right? The majority of the local community, you'll find them all there. Let's go to Isha after Ramadan. Four or five people. Ten, twenty max. After hundreds, they become twenty. This is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. So now the Prophet ﷺ comments and says, and then when they do that, when they when this becomes the norm, what the Prophet was telling us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will afflict them with, with a trial called Sainun. Then the companions asked, What is Sainun, O Prophet of Allah? Then the Prophet described. Allah will send them the worst rulers. Meaning the presidents, kings, you name it. The worst rulers. And life will be expensive. Allah will afflict them. This is the definition of Sainun. Which is basically, life will be expensive. My dear brothers and sisters, isn't life expensive right now? Maybe many of you can afford it, alhamdulillah. However, you cannot deny the fact that it, it's, life became very expensive. Compared to other times, like older times. Look at this. And many epidemics or many diseases will afflict them. Come on. This is a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ describing our lifetime, the current time right now that we're living in. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will withhold the rain in its season. You will find dry season. We're not talking, this is not talking about the three years of drought preparing for the jet. No, 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 no. Allah and you, there will be some time during the, the, the rain season that Allah will withhold rain as a punishment for what they did. Then look at this. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings rain in the wrong time. Looks very interesting description. So Allah will withhold rain in, its, in, in the rain season, but then Allah will send down rain during the wrong season, which is basically any season that but the rain season, right? And this is this is it. This this is basically the hadith. That's what we're living in. Muslims will be harassed and will be persecuted. Why Muslims are being persecuted? Because Muslims forgot that they were Muslims. Their Muslims actually don't care that they are Muslims. They're Muslims trying to get away from being Muslims. And you ask. Now, some might say, well, the people who are being who are suffering, who are being, you know, persecuted. What, they, did they do that as well? Is that why Allah is punishing them? No. Allah is punishing all of us collectively because the Prophet said the Ummah of Islam should be like one body. 
if one part of the body aches, the rest of the body feels it. But at the end of the day, you are watching what's happening to the Muslims. Many of us are very upset and we try to help as much as we can. But others, all they care about is, you know, dating this person or going out and having fun or going out for some quote unquote drinks. I'm talking about Muslims here. Uh, having some fun and followers on social media. And you know what's even terrible? On social media, they pretend, those people, those quote-unquote influencers, they pretend that they care about other Muslims by posting themselves crying. You <laughs> Again, back to the ranting. You're crying because of your fellow Muslims and you know fellow brothers and sisters in Islam are suffering around the world. Instead of setting up your camera and the lighting, mashallah, perfect lighting, and then they start crying in front of the camera because it's very authentic, of course, you know. Instead of doing that, actually help them. Actually do something. Filming yourself crying. Like the, another trend is people filming themselves crying while they're praying. Why do you have a camera while you're praying in the first place? That boggles my mind. Are you praying for the sake of Allah or for the sake of followers and people? It's just became, wallahi, it, it's, it's crazy. The world, the Muslims in general, I'm talking about the, the, the young generation, is becoming crazier than ever before. And it's because of this obsession over social media, over followers. You want to become famous. That's why they try to appeal to other nations. They try to appeal to everybody, basically. That's why certain people put cameras while they're praying. Cameras while they're crying. And I'm expected to believe that, that you're doing it for the sake of Allah. Of course you're not. Of course you're not. And you're wondering why Muslims are weak? It's because of that. Well, that's one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest reasons why Muslims nowadays are weak. Because Muslims don't want to be Muslims anymore. And I'm not talking about, alhamdulillah, the overwhelming majority. But the problem with that is we're talking about the new generation. The coming generations. If those generations will forget about Islam, what are we going to do? Like I, I always joke uh, with my friends, alhamdulillah, like alhamdulillah, I believe and, and my friends, we believe that we are the last, you know, sane, normal generations of Muslims. We're the last generation, basically. We believe that we're like, my, my friends and I were mid-30s. So we're like, uh, I think we're, we're we're good. I think we're we made it. But like any following generations, we feel like they're just it's declining. And you cannot deny that it is declining. And it's because of technology. It's because of social media. Because of the internet. Because you want to appeal to other nations, like I said. And then we wonder why we're being persecuted because we have no weight. Because the Prophet, like he said, we are like the foam of the ocean. Because they can watch us and see that we don't want to be Muslims. We're trying to, you know, get away from our Islamic identity. We are trying so hard to appeal to non-Muslims that we are nothing to them. That's why they persecute us. That's why they oppress us. That's why they torture Muslims, knowing that there will be no pushback from Muslims. And of course, I'm talking about Muslim individuals. That applies to Muslim governments. They are doing it for way worse because you're doing it for your own you know, illusion of, of a benefit, which is followers and clicks, and we want to appeal to non-Muslims. Governments do it for economical reasons. You know, we don't want to have a problem with China. They control the world economically. And again, this is not a step against, you know, China. It's just I'm talking about the Chinese government oppressing an entire sect of Chinese people, which is the Muslim, the the the, the Uyghur Muslims. An entire sect of people. It's a whole nation, a whole civilization of the Uyghur civilization 
are being oppressed, concentration camps, you name it. You can watch all the videos. You know, CNN even when they're trying to, you know, infiltrate the concentration camp, they wouldn't let them. And the whole world is like, what's the 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 the, the response of the Muslim leaders? Shh, nothing is happening. Don't worry about it. People will forget. That's basically the response. Shh, it's okay, it will pass. It will pass. Because they care about their economical status with China, for example. They care about the relationship with France. You know, I know that very few nations, very few countries, very few, wallahi, one or two even, are standing against that. They're fighting. And that means they're leaders, not the people themselves. The leaders. But the majority of the Muslim leaders? <laughs> Forget about it. Don't talk. Come on. We're going to ruin our relationship with this country. We're going to ruin our relationship with that country. You know, Muslims are suffering. Inshallah, it's a test for them. Don't worry about it. We'll make dua for them. But we're not going to do anything. The Prophet said in an authentic hadith, if you see something wrong being done, change it. And if you cannot change it with your hand, then with your tongue. Basically, talk to people. You know, pressure people to do the right thing. And if you cannot do it with with your tongue, then, you know, make dua for them. And if you cannot make dua for them, even that, just have it in your heart. Have it in your heart to try to change it. Now, when the Prophet says you, if you cannot physically change it, the Prophet does not mean, oh, if it's going to jeopardize your, you know, your deal with another country, your economical deal with another country. No. That means if you can physically do nothing. If I'm sitting right here, right now, and I cannot physically change the situation in, you know, in, 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 in Burma, in, 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 in China, in, in France, if I cannot physically do it, if I don't have the authority or the power, then I can talk to people about it. And if I can't even do that, then make dua for them. But you have government leaders, you know, uh, Muslim country leaders who refuse to do that. Refuse. They ignore it because they don't want to ruin their relationships with non-Muslim countries. Same issue that individuals have when they're trying to appeal to non-Muslim countries. Again, it's the inferiority complex. It's the psychological defeat. We need that country. Economically, we need to appeal to them. So we're not going to say anything about Muslims being tortured there. That's the leaders. Same thing goes for the average Muslim. Yeah, I want to appeal to non-Muslims, so please accept us. But when, you know, and again, even those who speak about it now, um, I don't know the intentions of people, but you can tell from the setting that some people, when they cry about, you know, the Uyghur Muslims and, you know, about the Muslims in Burma, the Muslims in Syria, the Muslims in Palestine, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like it's just they're doing it for followers, for clicks, for likes. Because the next video that they put is them singing and, you know, shopping around in the most expensive mall. And it's just, well, it's crazy. It is crazy. And I watch this because I'm trying to understand the human or at least the Muslim, uh, the, the Muslim kind of behavior of certain people. I'm trying to understand what is this, what's going on here. Well, it becomes a moment of like, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Not in a good way, of course, but I'm fascinated how people could change skin so fast. And again, we ask ourselves, why are we being persecuted? Because of that. We are a weak nation because we, unfortunately, now, alhamdulillah, many of us, we are confident in our religion. I'm talking about the bad side because I'm saying why. Because this is the obvious part. Those who have the, the psychological defeat, those who want to appeal to non-Muslims, they are more obvious than us. 
they are more obvious and that's what non-muslims see and then they say oh they all want to be like us come on bring him in come on we're going to persecute this group of muslims and trust me they won't do anything about it and that's exactly what happens and you know in, in instead of us trying to appeal to non-muslims and trying to look like non-muslims dress up like non-muslims talk and drink and go out and have fun and do everything like non-muslims you what about the companions of the prophet sallallahu those are the true role models for muslims by the way now our ultimate role model is the prophet sallallahu there's no denying that it should be by the way i know unfortunately a lot of muslims don't you ask them who's your role model be like well it's uh, this actor from this movie or this singer or this you know band uh, leader or band singer or whatever it's ridiculous and, and you're talking about muslims here who are answering and making those answers right Instead of saying the Prophet and even some they say, but they don't even know the Prophet How would you take a role model when you don't know that role model, when you don't know what he did or what she did, right? So, like, for example, the Prophet is my role model, alhamdulillah, but also the companions should be the, you know, our role model. Actually, we should identify more to the companions because the Prophet was a prophet of Allah. You know, like he was on a different status, on a different level. However, the companions were just humans. You know, they were the best of mankind after the Prophet ﷺ, after the messengers. The, the, the best of mankind are the messengers and the prophets. But when it comes to like after the messengers, you know, it's it's the companions. I love, I expressed how much I love Umar ibn Khattab, anhu, may Allah be pleased with him. Umar ibn Khattab, uh, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Ali ibn Abi Talib, you know, Uthman ibn Affan, the best mannerisms, the best attitude, the best way of dealing with things in life. You think those people, those companions, when they were persecuted, you know, by by the people of Quraysh, do you think that they caved in? That they try to appeal to them? That they try to be like, you know what? You are more popular. You are way outnumbering us. We're going to follow you. Please accept us. No. They actually were from the people of Quraysh. And they chose to exit, to leave. Because they were doing the wrong thing, which is not worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the companions realized the truth, they took a stand and they said, that's what, what you're doing is wrong. That's not how you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through idols. You worship Allah through the, the commands of the Prophet sallallahu through the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the Quran. And when they were persecuted for it, and that's what we should learn, by the way, from them in these times, in these difficult times. When they were persecuted for it, what happened? They stood still. They didn't care because they were doing it for the sake of Allah. And they showed strength, they showed power, and Remember that when they did their first Umrah, when they performed their first Umrah, the way they said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, when they were, you know, going around doing tawaf around the Kaaba, the people of Quraysh who were disbelievers at the time, their hearts were shaking. <laughs> their hearts shook from the voices and the, the appeal and the way they looked. They were very confident. And the Prophet said, raise your voices during tawaf because we want to show them that we're not weak. And they weren't. Come on, these are our role models, the companions led by the Prophet. They went against all the odds. Nobody ever, ever thought that a bunch of Arabs, bunch of, you know, quote unquote savage desert people would rise to power the way they did. It was all because of Allah. But why did Allah help them? Because they had sincerity. They cared about Allah. They didn't care about what they look like. They didn't care about appealing to non-Muslims or other nations. They cared about pleasing Allah once they knew the truth about Allah. We have the truth. It's everywhere. 
We have the Quran. We have the Sunnah. We just don't want to open the books. We, and I'm not saying all of us, many of us just don't want to open the books. And then we claim we don't know a lot about Allah. We don't know a lot about the Prophet because of you. You have like at least they struggled because Allah was revealing the Quran as they were going, right? Uh, for took 23 years. They became Muslims in the beginning, and then little by little they were learning Islam as Allah revealed the Quran. You have a privilege you didn't have. You have the whole picture now. The whole book is right there for you. You have the interpretation is available for you. You have everything available for you. You are lazy. You choose not to open the book of Allah. And that's why you cannot fight for the sake of Allah. And you cannot have a dignity, a Muslim dignity. Like, you know, a Muslim pride. You don't have that because you don't know your religion. Those are the role models that we should try to follow. Not people who do un-Islamic stuff. You know, there was a very interesting uh, hadith by the Prophet ﷺ when he was asked this. He was asked why when we make dua, Allah does not respond sometimes. And the Prophet ﷺ made this incredible statement. He basically said, Allah told you what to do when it comes to him, how to worship him, how to pray, how to fast. You know that, but you never done it. You said we love the Prophet of Allah, but he never followed his sunnah. You read the Quran, but you never, ever worked with it. You never made it your lifestyle. You never followed it. Right? You said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you that shaitan is your enemy, but he became your ally. And again, not consciously. Of course, it's all subconsciously. You know, you helped him out by, you know, committing sins and, you know, not rejecting him, not trying to, you know, stay away from him. No, you were, you were in good terms with shaitan. You said you love Jannah, but you never worked for it. You said you are afraid of hellfire, but you never worked to stay away from it. Do you understand? When you wake up from your sleep, what happens? You never ever, and, and this is something key here. Usually when you go to sleep, you start thinking about what you've done wrong. This is, the, 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 by the way, this is a sign of a good believer. When you go to sleep, when you put your head, you say, oh Allah, you know, I think I did this terrible today. May Allah forgive me. You don't do that. The Prophet is responding, why Allah does not answer your dua? Why does Allah not answer your uh, prayers? You know, you never addressed your own issues. You know, when you're committing a specific sin or sins and you never address them because you never want to stop. But then when you see somebody sinning, you start, you know, publicizing those sins because it's not yours. So why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you when you can't even help yourselves? Because at the end of the day, remember, remember the battle of Badr. What happened during the battle of Badr? What happened? The Muslims came, they came prepared. 300 Muslims. 300 Muslims fighting thousands of, uh, of people of Quraysh. Allah sent angels, sent aid and sent help. Why? Because they did their part. Now, if you don't want to even do your part and you're expecting Allah to make you victorious, you're delusional. Delusional. I'm sorry, with all due respect, my dear brothers and sisters. If you're going to sit home and expect that Allah will get you the best job, will get you the best family, will get you the best house, then you're delusional. 
You're delusional. You have to do the work. As Muslims, we have to be loving our religion more. And that only comes like, I, I know it's a broken record by now, but again, knowledge. Educate yourself. Instead of educating yourself on other stuff, you know, on Islamic stuff, please educate yourself when it comes to Islam. This is the thing. Because at the end of the day, as much as it's very very important what you become in terms of like you know uh, what college you go to and what profession you will you know you'll be in it's very very important yeah nobody's denying that however when you stand in the side of allah and let's say that you studied so hard to become whatever a doctor or a surgeon right allah is not going to be like okay so you didn't read quran you didn't try to learn the religion because you were a doctor you're busy studying being a doctor okay you get a pass no that's not going to happen Allah's not going to give you a pass because you became a doctor. Yes, it's wonderful to become a doctor while studying the religion of Allah. It's wonderful to become an engineer while studying the religion of Allah. Allah's not going to be like, yeah, oh, oh you, you're trying to help, quote unquote, humanity. You're trying to save Muslims. No problem. I don't, yeah, you know what? Forget about it. You get a pass for not studying the Quran. You get a pass for not praying. You get a pass for not gaining knowledge about the religion. You get a pass. No. Allah does not care about what you become in this life. Allah cares about what you do for the hereafter because that's what matters. At the end of the day, Allah said what? I only created the jinn and mankind to worship me. Anything else becomes secondary. So, know your religion. Be proud of it. Work for it. Educate people on it. When you walk in the streets, even if it's a non-Muslim country, be proud of who you are. You know, be proud that you are the only one probably. And again, we're saying if you're in, in a setting with all non-Muslims, you're the only one who knows the truth about everything in life, about what happens in the hereafter, about that reality of paradise and hellfire, about the reality of our existence, about our purpose. Be proud of what you have and be proud of that you're worshiping the only true lord of this existence the only true god there's no other god by allah but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no other god and you're worshiping him alone and you're following look at this you're following the teachings of the best of mankind the best human being ever and will ever be created on the face of this earth are you telling me that with all of that you can't be proud of yourself Imagine, you're worshipping the only God through following the teachings of the best human being ever lived and will ever be created. Wouldn't that be something to make you proud of yourself? Because when you're proud and when you know who you are and when you know that Allah will aid you when you work for it, you'll never feel that psychological defeat ever again. So, yes, we have a problem right now because many of the youth, many of, not just the youth, by the way, I'm not, again, taking a stab at the youth. Many Muslims right now, they don't feel like they're Muslims. They want to subconsciously at least get away from this Islamic kind of lifestyle by appealing to non-Muslim um, you know, habits or non-Muslim nations. That is the problem we're having. Yes, there are political problems. Yes. But Muslims are greedy. Even those in power, the ones who are, you know, leading nations, Muslim nations, they are greedy. And that is part of the problem. And what the Prophet said makes perfect sense. They love this life so much, they're afraid to die. And that's why they will always be weak. 
because they're clinging on. They're like hanging on, attached to this life instead of being attached to the hereafter. They're attached to this life. And being attached to this life, yeah, will make you compromise your religion. That's that's a fact. Being attached to this life is the number one reason why you would compromise your religion. Being befriending shaitan. Even we're fighting one another because you don't like the the way that, you know, oh, you're following the sunnah, you think you're better than us, and then you create drama and fight for no reason. Yeah, we have a lot of problems that need, and, and again, it all starts with gaining knowledge and being proud of who you are because you should be. Can you? How many people could say, I know that every religion says that about themselves, but how many religions could say that with all the evidence being, you know, so like Allah supporting us with all the evidence in the world that we are the only true religion. We are the only true nation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's left on earth. How many nations could say that with confidence? Not a lot of people. Not, I, I don't think any other nation. Again, even when you debate with non-Muslims, you win the debate with the correct amount of knowledge. It shows that you are upon the truth, alhamdulillah. But what we care about is completely different from what Allah wants us to care about. And that is this is the discrepancy right there. That's the issue that we're facing. And that's why a lot of people are taking a stab at us. A lot of people are, like the Prophet said, inviting each other over you know, <laughs> toying with us and, 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 and torturing us and persecuting us. We have no voice. The day will come that we will, but I, I don't want us to wait. Gain knowledge. Again, do not cause problems. That's not the whole purpose of this. But gain knowledge. Know who you are. Stop with the nonsense. Stop with everything. Like Again, like uh, it's just, again, I, I know, I, maybe it's just me, but like, what kind of dignity when you have a whole family of Muslims coming and singing and dancing in front of the entire world with having like millions of views? Where is the dignity in that? Where? Those people that are dancing, those many families, Muslim families, that are, they all will die. Like we said, that their destiny is death. Like me, like yourself, we're all going to die. What is so like you know beautiful and, and joyful about this the only joyful thing in this life is to live according to allah's commands you will learn how to live a happy life and even better because this is the thing and i'm going to end with that inshallah don't you think that when you are investing when you're in a business deal right and when you know that you're putting some money in investments right don't you have like this safe net right it's a safe net for you and you're you know subconsciously or even subconsciously like you know secretly you're happy i'm saving up i'm 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 investing in this guaranteed profitable you know project alhamdulillah that's the attitude of a believer when you're investing in the hereafter that should provide you with happiness in this life because you have a safe net inshallah inshallah I have a safe net in the hereafter. You're building a, a, a huge investment. And the more you put for the hereafter, the more you will gain in the hereafter. That's a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So staying away from our lifestyle, from the Muslim lifestyle, is a big cause of our defeat. And we should, again, at the end of the day, we should be vocal. We should learn our religion. We should be proud of it. And at the end of the day, nations should follow us. But because of how we're acting, no one will follow us. <laughs> we're showing weakness. Why would they? Right? Why would they follow us? 
So I hope that you know uh, that I was able to address the the the, the, the cause. And again, uh, certain causes. This is the, the the whole idea of psychological defeat is something that's been happening for a while. And I hope that we, the majority of us at least, I know that not all of us, even during the time of the Antichrist, there will be people who will feel psychologically defeated by him. That's why Muslims will follow him, right? Certain Muslims will follow him. So my point is, I just want us to be aware of that and be more more confident. Again, those people who are doing all of the un-Islamic stuff online, it's not too late. It's only, it's only late when you're dead. Right when you're about to die, when you're like at the last breath, and this is when it's too late, you can turn this thing around, right? You can just you know tr- turn your 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 whatever that channel into something beneficial. Educate people from the correct sources, not to get followers, not to get clicks. You know, just it's do it for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Like I said, I started this podcast with four listeners, and I kept going not knowing that that the incredible blessing that Allah you know was planning for me the podcast but again do it f- to educate people muslims or non-muslims by the way do it for the sake of Allah because Allah said what tell people about me tell people about islam that's your duty as a muslim but don't do it out of ignorance you have to have knowledge first gain knowledge and then share an authentic make sure this is by the way this is key here my dear brothers and sisters, this is key. Your knowledge, you must verify. Alhamdulillah, before I sit down and I talk to you here, I verify. I do research, extensive, like alhamdulillah, heavy, heavy research regarding the Quran and the Sunnah, regarding what I'm telling you, because it's a responsibility. Hearing some things, and there, there's a lot of like hadith that are floating online that I actually have to intervene and comment in the comment section. This is not an authentic hadith. So please, before you try to, if you want to take that route, again, not everybody wants to, some people want to share their knowledge in a social setting. They don't have to have a platform. I get that. I'm saying whatever your platform is, whatever, if you want to do it in a social setting, whatever, when you talk about Islam, especially to a non-Muslim, do the research first. So you are confident when there's an argument, you're confident, you know, you don't want them to be like, well, that's that doesn't make sense. And then you won't be able to respond and all these things. So learn the religion. After learning the religion, understand it and be proud of it because the Prophet, again, we are the only true nation left on earth. The only true nation left on earth. We're going to follow the Prophet, inshallah, inshallah, to paradise. And by the way, Muslims will be the first nation to enter paradise. The other nations we're talking about, like Christians who followed Allah, who worshipped Allah and followed Jesus as a prophet, they're also called Muslims. But we're talking about the 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 the, the nation of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. They will, they we will be before them, even though they came in, into this world before us. But we will enter Jannah. Alhamdulillah. The nation of the Prophet sallam will enter paradise first. Then the nations of you know other prophets and messengers who followed uh, them. The, the prophets and the messengers and of course worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should be proud of that the first human being to be resurrected and we're going to get to that when we get to the day of judgment is the prophets will be the prophets sallam. isn't that something that will make you proud of your own prophet come on be proud of who you are be proud of who you're following be proud of who you're worshipping imagine you are worshipping the most absolute power in this existence or any other existence in just in infinity, basically. You're worshipping the absolute power, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
No one can even come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The absolute power. Someone who was never born, will never die, who is always there, who will never cease to exist. Come on. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of who you're worshiping and show that. Do not show other nations that you're weak. And that's because that's a big part of the problem. They see that you're weak. You have this 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 thing, the, 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 the psychological defeat. So they were like, you know what? They can do anything to us and they we don't. We end up not doing anything. Whether this is coming from our leaders, the Muslim leaders, or the average Muslim, we don't care. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless this nation with, you know, knowledge and power and, you know, the, the, the ability to show the world, uh, alhamdulillah, how blessed we are and how blessed they could be if they follow uh, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.